Welcome to uh, week two of like looking at the names of Jesus, and this is a Doug series like I've been waiting for a couple months because there were things God told us to teach, and I just couldn't wait to get here. Those 100 plus names, actually there's not 100 up there, there's like 98, but there's, I found 100 plus names for Jesus in the Bible, and I just started really getting excited. It all started for me when I heard Waller's song, which I think was the last one that you heard that was talking about loving to hear his names fall from his lips. Waller's line is, I just love to hear your name fall from my lips. And it, and it, it just caught me. Now, that in Waller's song, he's using the names for God, Yahweh, all God. But it's just, I was doing my Bible study, and I was like, like, when is the last time I said, you know, you're my provider? Like, it doesn't have to be the Hebrew. Like, you don't have to know Hebrew. But when's the last time I said, God, my provider, I want to spend some time with you? When, when was the last time... Is somebody needed encouragement, and I said, you know, you are my refuge, or you're my Jehovah Rapha. You're the God who can heal, you know, and, and he always heals. Even if you die, he heals. That's the point. We can't always get healed. We don't get to heaven, okay, guys? So, you know, there's a point. There's a point where it's time to go, right? But, but when, is, when did I use those names? But then I started thinking about just the, the names of Jesus, just the names of Jesus, you know, not specifically the names of God, but Jesus. 
And, and so I found these, and I started looking at them, and then I started look, reading all the verses, and I'm like, look at these verses, and I'm going like, I know I've read this, but like, this is just incredible. So last week, we looked right at Everlasting Father, which is something we say every Christmas, but then he's our brother, how's he's our father. So we looked at that. So you can go back, and you can watch that online. Um, this week, um, I want to talk about this that he's the messenger of the new covenant or the, of the covenant. And, and it sounds pretty obvious. Well, of course, he came and he told us how to get back to him, blah, 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 blah. And it sounds obvious, but if you actually start to dive into it, you, you have to ask yourself, like, when is the last time maybe I really viewed him that way? But along the course of the hundred names, um, I, was, I remembered a quote that was from uh, Thoreau. If my thing will open up, but it was from Thoreau. It reads like this. A name pronounced is the recognition of the individual to whom it belongs. He who can pronounce my name aright, he can call me as entitled to my love and my service. And when you think about it in relation to Jesus or God, like all these worship songs, I just got lost. You know, we played the Christmas carol up front, but everything started after that. Every one of these songs is talking about the name of, of God, the power of God, the, the beauty of calling upon his name, how he's everlasting. I mean, I, if, I want him to repeat the whole set and just walk off the stage because they're just, they, there's a power in this concept. But this, you know, Thoreau, though not writing about God, is on to something because this is what God says to us. He who knows my name can call on it. And, and he who knows my name can not only call it on it, but he can also know what? that I will provide. And so I just, I, I was like, this is such a really cool quote, and all of it just keeps piling together for me, and quite frankly, I just keep getting more and more excited as we move on. So why the messenger of the covenant? Well, the messenger of the covenant, this is why. Because when I read it, it just caught my eye. I'm just being honest. So when I studied all of them, this one just caught my eye. I looked up all the scriptures for all of them, but it caught my eye, and it caught my eye because out of the 100 plus names, though it seems very logical, I had to ask myself, what does it mean that he's the messenger of the covenant? And I want to I get to the cheesy answer, right? Well, he came to earth and he told everybody. But the scripture came from Malachi 3. And the way it was written there, it was like way more powerful than I maybe had recently heard it. And then I had to ask myself, so... If he's the messenger of the covenant, what is the covenant? And we all want to say, right, oh, we know the new covenant, right? That, that it's by faith and, this, and, and, and all that's right. But when you pile this together and when you look at Malachi 3, there is a really weird thing. So let me show you what caught my eye. You ready? So Malachi 3, verse 1, reads this way. Look, this is God talking. I'm sending my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come into his temple. Notice the big T. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So God spoke this to people, not us. We get to observe. But it was spoken to Israelites, Jewish people, followers of God, some strayed, some dead on. It was spoken to the entire nation and what he said is, what? I'm going to send a messenger. He's going to prepare the way. And the messenger is going to come to his temple, right? As surely as you've been eagerly waiting for him, it's going to happen, says what? The Lord of heaven's army is God, Yahweh. Okay? 
So when I read it, the very first thing I thought when I saw the first line that says, I'm going to send a messenger who will prepare the way, I thought, do you know what I thought? Do you guys? John the Baptist, right? Because I've read the Bible. Right? So this connection happened for me because whenever John the Baptist had talked about and the prophecy that was delivered before John the Baptist was born, right? When his mom was pregnant was what? He will go and what? We say it every Christmas, prepare the way for the Lord, for the Messiah. And so I'm like, okay, that's pretty simple. But then when I look at the back half of it, all of a sudden, it's like I had to ask myself, so is John the messenger who enters the temple? Is he the one they've been waiting for? And I'm thinking, yeah, maybe not. When I read the rest of the book of Malachi, and I got to chapter 4, verse 5, I saw this. Look, God says, I'm sending the prophet Elijah before the great and dread, dreadful day of the Lord arrives. So before Jesus ever comes back for the end of the world, he's going to send the prophet Elijah. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. So I was like, okay, that's pretty easy. The first, I, I'm wrong about John the Baptist. The first messenger in Malachi 3.1 is Elijah. Well, interestingly, Elijah's dead. So how does that work, God? I mean, we, he was dead when this was written. He's long dead. How's that going to work? Well, Jewish believers, and a lot of people still bicker about this, and if you've read the whole end of the world series, Left Behind and all that, that people believe that Elijah, because he, he was just taken up by the Lord, that he's going to have to come back, he'll have to face a physical death, and that he's going to end up preaching at the wall in Jerusalem. Some people believe he was going to come back and he would prepare the way for the Messiah. But the bottom line is, is no physical Elijah was reborn. He did not come down from heaven in his Elijah robe, and he did not prepare the way for the Lord. We kind of know that, just history, right? And we also know it because of this. I love my journey in discipleship. And, you know, we, we, we always talk about discipleship this time of year very overtly. But even if it wasn't this time of year, I would tell you, what I love about discipleship is, is that in discipleship, I've learned to let the Holy Spirit connect the dots. So where else is Elijah talked about? Jesus talks a ton about Elijah. Look, look what he says. Jesus' words in Matthew 11. For before John came, John the Baptist, who what did what? He went before and he prepared the way for the Messiah. He called everybody. He said, the Messiah is coming right here and now. You need to repent. He baptized people for repentance. He gathered them. He said, get ready. He's coming. And the Jews embraced that because they had been what? Malachi 3, eagerly awaiting the Messiah. So when John started saying this, the only people who got set were what? The religious leaders because they were getting ready to get dethroned. But all the people were like, the Messiah is coming, right? And so they flocked to John and they, so John, so Jesus supported. Before John came, the prophets and the law of Moses look forward to the present time. Well, doesn't that match Malachi perfectly? He says in Malachi, God says to the people, you have been eagerly awaiting for the Messiah. So, so Jesus is like, okay, cool. So before John came, the, the law of Moses looked forward to the present time along with the prophets. And here's what he says. And if you're willing to accept it, I say, he is Elijah the one the prophet said would come. Now, unless you just want to 
just reject Jesus. Anybody want to do it? It's Christmas. It's the worst time of year to do this. Nobody wants to do it. Then we just simply have to accept that what did Jesus just say? John the Baptist is Elijah. And you're like, and then the theologians go off, was it the spirit in him and the blah, blah, blah. Then uh, reincarnation of the blah, blah, blah. Nah, just stop. Just Let's just go see what else Jesus said. Matthew 17, 10 through 13. Jesus replied, Elijah is indeed coming first to get everything ready. But I tell you, Elijah's already come. But he wasn't recognized. They chose to abuse him. And in the same way, they will also make the Son of Man suffer. Then the disciples realized, okay, first it was just Jesus telling him. Now, boop, light goes off. The disciples realized he was talking about what? John the Baptist. But that's not enough. The prophecy about John the Baptist said this. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. Doesn't that sound like Malachi 3 went? Turn the hearts of the fathers to back. Malachi 4. Okay. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. And now you see the power of a metaphor. And he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. All right. So let's just. The first messenger in Malachi 3.1 is whom? John the Baptist. Be confident in your answers. It's the only way you pass tests. But, okay, John the Baptist. All right. So the second messenger in Malachi 3.1 becomes very clear to us here. And I told you to look at the capital T. I don't know if you figured out why. Why in a sentence like this would they put a capital T? Because it was the temple of God? No. When you read it, it says he's going to what? He is going to what? Come into his big T temple. And indeed, Jesus did. Right? Jesus came from heaven, was born of a virgin. His father was God. And he, God, lived in his temple. He was 100% man. He was 100% God. But his body was the temple of God while on earth. And then he entered into the temple to teach. Then he entered into the temple to correct and flip over tables and guide. And he did what? All along the way, he did this so he could be and complete the task of being called the messenger of the new covenant. So if you go back to Malachi with everything we just saw, here's how we could read it. Look, I, God, am sending my messenger, John, and he will, John, will prepare the way before me, God slash Jesus. Then the Lord God, then the Lord you're seeking, Jesus, will suddenly come into his temple. The messenger of the covenant, Jesus, whom you look for so eagerly, is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies, God. So hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born, before John was thought of, before his mom and dad were married, we have this prophecy of two messengers, a prophecy that one would come prepare the way and a prophecy that the other would be the Messiah that the Jews had waited for. If you don't know what the Jews were waiting for, they were waiting for a Savior who would bring to completion salvation. They all believed, but they knew that there had to be a perfect Son of God come and sacrifice his life and make the way for the Lord. And the cool part is it's not just prophecy. It actually happened. John the Baptist did come. He did prepare the way for the Lord. And the Messiah did come, and he did bring us salvation. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. If he hadn't done it, we'd hang our heads in shame. But he did it. So two messengers, 
in Malachi 3.1. But what's the new covenant? What is this covenant that Jesus brought to us? We could speak for days on it, but let's just do the simple version based on what Jesus has already said. This is what he said. He's at the Lord's Supper or communion or whatever you want to call it, his very last supper with the disciples. He sits down in the middle of the meal. He breaks the bread, says, this is my body given for you. He's going to be the lamb sacrifice. And then he pours the cup and he says this, this cup is the new covenant. Hey, wait a minute. All of a sudden, we, can, we got an answer. This is black and white. This is the new covenant between God and his people. Now, who, who's making the covenant? God, not Jesus. He's the messenger of the covenant. So important because it's not you who saves. It's not your job. The covenant has been issued. Now that Jesus is gone, we're supposed to do his job on earth, but we're just the messenger of the covenant. All the authority, all the power, everything rests with God. Jesus says, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, like a blood oath. An agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. He became a sacrifice, a holy, pure sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. No longer would sheep and goats and bulls ever need to be slaughtered because there was a sacrifice. He, in my terms, jumped in front of the bus and pushed us out of the way. But he didn't die. (laughs) He got up and he looked at the bus driver and they're like, what? (laughs) But he saved us. He took the hit for us. He didn't just do that in a a colloquial way, he literally took our sins upon him, past, present, and future, and paid the price for them. That forgiveness is available to everybody who asks for it. In fact, you don't even have to ask. You can claim it. Because claiming it means you believe in him, and it's there. That's the new covenant. Here's the other part of the new covenant. He said, I am the way, the truth, in the life, and what? No one comes to the Father but through me. This is a big challenge for a lot of Christians in our current social world. It's been actually going on since the 60s, 50s or 60s, where we feel compelled to be sensitive to other people. And I think we should be empathetic and loving, but we should be truthful. But we think, okay, well, he is, but maybe he presented himself another way. Right? Especially in our current very progressive Christianity, it's like, well, this is, but maybe he presented himself this way. And maybe he, no. He presented himself as Jesus, the Son of God, the messenger of a covenant. And his words were, no one comes to the Father but through me. Now, that can seem very restrictive, or you can look at it as very freeing. I don't have to go study 18 religions. I don't have to kneel on corn while I pray so I can show my penance. I don't have to climb a mountain. I don't have to sit cross-legged. I don't have to light a candle. Because it's not restrictive. He's setting us free. Come to the Father through me. Everyone can claim it. And he's available. I like this one too. This is another, I think, key point of the new covenant. That salvation is based on belief. It's not based on doctrines of churches. It's not based on misunderstandings or laws or keeping things or pleasing him or doing anything. It's totally based on belief. Here's Jesus' words again. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live. Who? 
anyone. Who? Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. And everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. So he's the messenger of a new covenant that says what? You've been eagerly waiting. One came and prepared the way, and I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father through me, but everybody can come to the Father through me. I am available to everybody. You don't have to sit there. You don't have to feel shame. You don't have to be empty. You don't have to wait. Here now is the day of the Lord. He's the messenger of the covenant. I, I just, that just jazzes me up. And you go, why? And I'm like, because when's the last time I prayed and said, I love you, the messenger of the covenant? Because it sounds awkward, but when you start to think about it, that's who he is to me. And he's not just the messenger of the covenant one time where I hear about it and I become a Christian. He's the messenger of the covenant today when I feel shame. He's the messenger of the covenant today when I'm in angst. He's the messenger of the covenant when I start to get a little performance-based. He's the messenger of the covenant when I start feeling guilty. He's the messenger of the covenant when I look at somebody else and go, what? He's the messenger of the covenant. And the covenant is that he's there for everyone with freedom and forgiveness and hope and love. I was looking through the other list, the, the hundred other names, to see any that kind of went in this category. Here's what I found, the apostle of our profession. That means he goes all over the world doing what? Telling people how to believe. He's the captain of our salvation. Do I like that? I need the praise team to write a song about that. El Capitan. I mean, I'm telling you, we could rock that with a Latin beat all day long. How about this? He's the consolation of Israel. Well, that doesn't really make sense unless you look at Malachi 3 because they what? Have been eagerly waiting and he surely came. He's the consolation, the completion of Israel. He didn't put an end to it. He doesn't dislike the Israelites. He completed it. He completed the plan. He's the counselor, the faithful witness, the forerunner. He has been there, done that. He beat death, will beat death. He's in heaven, will be in heaven. He is the horn of salvation. I particularly like this one when I looked it up because I immediately thought about why are horns used in the Bible. I used to have one, and it, it was a ram's horn. They would go out when it was time to do battle to kick butt, and God said go, and they would take that ram's horn, and, and then the guy over there would, and all the nation, and the army would gather it. He is the horn of salvation. He is blowing the horn, saying to you today, if you are saved, live saved. If you are free, live free. If you're not, find freedom. Find salvation. Don't sit around and wait. If you need healing, I'm Rafa. He is the horn of salvation. He is the light of the world, the morning star, the prophet, the true light, and the word of God. And I was like, wow. When I looked all these verses up, one of them caught my eye. And it said, he's the door. He's the door of salvation. I'm like, what? I've read he's the gate, but is he the... And as soon as I looked it up, I realized that they were just using the word differently. Door and gate, the same way. I just want to read it to you. It's not going to be on the screen. Just old-fashioned, it's long. I want to read it to you. It comes out of John 10, and it's verses 7 to 18. And it says this. Will it help if I was in John 10? Hang on. There was a post-it note. It's long since gone. 
You ever have a Bible that's so old it's cool, but you can't turn the pages? Therefore, Jesus said again. So he's repeating himself. Does that with me a lot. How about you guys? I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep, or I'm the door for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep, all all what came before? All the shepherds who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Echoing the words, I am the what? Way, the truth, and the life. He will come in and go out and find pasture, anybody who comes through Jesus. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that it may have life and have it to the full or abundantly. One of my favorite verses. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks, the flock scatters. The man who runs away because he's a hired hand and doesn't care for the sheep. I am the shepherd. I am the gate. I love this. So here we have Jesus and the name of his being the gate or the door. And what he says is, this is a pasture. It's fenced in. It's my pasture. And if you enter this pasture through me, you find rest. And that doesn't mean sleep. It can mean. But it means rest, emotional rest, spiritual rest, prosperity dare I say. That's what he said to them when they were going to go and have rest in the land of Israel. That was milk and honey and giant grapes. It's rest. It means like all my needs are taken care of. All my materialism has been defeated. My sin has been forgiven and I'm set free. Rest. It's just like rest. The world's going to hell around me. We got this. Rest. My God is big. He's got a horn. Okay? But in that verse, I noticed another shepherd. I don't know if you caught it. There's another shepherd that climbs the fence and has been climbing the fence since the beginning of mankind. And he's a thief and a robber. And he climbs into the fence, into the perfect pasture, and he's trying to steal the sheep. Both shepherds have the objective of the sheep. That's their target. But they have entirely different motives. And then... After teaching last week, a new friend of mine came up to me, and he said, his name's Tim, and he said, not that Tim, it's a new Tim, and he said to me, I saw the names on the screen, but wasn't Satan also called the morning star? And I was like, yeah, he was, but he got me thinking, and so did God. Satan is called the morning star that fell from heaven, the light that went out. When Jesus is referred to as the morning star, because I looked it up in my hundred names, he is referred to as the bright and morning star that shines until the completion of our salvation. So wait, there's two shepherds, a fake shepherd and a real shepherd. There's two stars, a real star and a fake star. But it ain't in there. And God was like in my heart, but there's two lions too, right? There's a lion of the tribe of Judah, the lion of all those who believe, who's a protector and a defender. And then there's a lion, Satan, who seeks to devour whoever he can find. 
So there's two messengers. There's the messenger of life and hope and peace, and there's the messenger of death. And I hate to bring this up again because I hated saying it last week, but there are only two spiritual families and there's only two spiritual paths. Life and death, God and evil, God and Satan, good and evil. And even though we don't want to hear that, the point is, is that those two spiritual families are ruled in different ways. Same target people, different objectives. Hope, life, and love versus death, destruction, and devouring. And if you've ever gotten off track and got consumed by the enemy, you know what that feels like. So I'm just wondering about me, and I'm wondering about you day to day, like, Which star are we using to guide our path? Which lion are we trusting in? Which shepherd are we listening to? Satan mimics God. It is his greatest strategy. He started in the Garden of Eden, mimicking, asking these big eloquent questions and promising beauty and rest and everything. And his voice is so subtle, it is so quiet, but it always leads to destruction. So, you have Jesus, who's providing a message of hope, life, forgiveness, and love. That he's a messenger, the true light of the covenant, the new covenant. And he wasn't just a messenger, he actually carried it out. He proved it. He's gone before us. He's the forerunner. He's conquered death. He's filled thousands, millions with the Holy Spirit. He's rescued them. We can see it. There's evidence. And then we have the opposite. I really hope that you hear Jesus today. I hope you hear the messenger of the new covenant today. The covenant of light and love and hope and peace. Because what, 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 what we normally hear is the one who mimics. We hear Satan who whispers very quietly, you're unworthy. You're a cog in the machine. You're not loved. You're an accident. You have no hope. You're not important. But Jesus is the one who speaks boldly as the messenger of the new covenant. You are worthy. You are valuable. You are loved, you are created, you have promise, and you are very important. How powerful this Christmas could be if we didn't just celebrate the baby and the birth, but we started listening to the messenger of the new covenant, that we listened to his words of promise and hope and power and love and defeated the shame and rejection that we often feel. What would happen if we listened to him as the messenger of the new covenant that eternally set us free? I think this is my favorite thing about all of this. Is as we look into these names, he's given us yet another name that we can call on. A name that we can call on that for sure guarantees the promise of salvation and eternal life. Another name that we can call on that says that he's going to be here tomorrow and the next day and the next day because it's a blood covenant. 
a messenger that says he's the true shepherd, the true star, the one that will shine to the end, that he's the lion who will protect me. The fact that Jesus is the messenger of the covenant, I think should be spoken by Linus. I think he should stand here and say, and Charlie Brown, that's the meaning of Christmas. Father, I so want to be abandoned to you. I want to, I I was listening to songs that I just, I want the power that comes with all those names. And I I don't want to claim them like you're Burger King. I want to claim them like they're there for everybody. And whether I experience them or not, you are them. You are the creator. You are a healer. You are, and Jesus is the messenger of the covenant. He's the everlasting father. He has secured all of eternity. I was reminded this morning to ignore the kids who are walking around and people who are coming in late. That's not a dog on them, God. I'm just saying, and to just sing to you. And today was a great day to sing to you because every song was customizable to you because it was about you and your power and your name and your glory. And and when I think about all the stuff that we do for church, more than anything, I just want to come in and stand with at least one other person because then I got church. And I want to stand with that person and have them belt out with me that we worship you and we bless your name. And this isn't about what we get. It's about your beauty and your awesomeness and your power. Father, I pray that you'll continue to captivate me and capture me, that you'll fill me with your spirit and make me bold and insane for you, that you'll keep my feet on the ground and protect me, that truly you'll be my shepherd You'll keep me at rest and you'll keep the thief at bay that you'll be the lion of Judah who defeats the lion who destroys, that you'll be the bright and morning star that totally outshines the fake morning star. I want to be raptured by you, enraptured by you and taken over. And that's my prayer for this whole place. Every time we gather, that even if we're just sharing a meal, we sense the presence of our Father who finds himself well-pleased because we're united in our worship. Father, I love you. We love you. Don't let your words slip in vain.